fanatics welcome to another edition of the bulletproof podcast i am your host chris the brain and joining me as always mr charisma and the man with the crappiest laptop in the world chad cruz chad how you doing i'm doing super brain thanks for asking you know they in, in the dictionary it says charisma is defined as compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others so i'm just kind of waiting for that all to happen Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm waiting too. Uh, what we're not waiting on is the return of the real Todd Gaines because he is back for this episode. Todd, welcome back to the Bulletproof Podcast. Hey guys, it's uh, great to be back. It's been a while. We've we've been dealing with this COVID nineteen. I hope everybody out there's safe, and I'm just glad to be back on this chat. Let's get it going. All right, but uh, before we get into this uh, episode's topic, let's uh, look back on some of our recent episodes and some feedback that we have received. Um, one of the recent episodes we had should have had a sequel. Uh, we asked fans uh, listening and, and those that follow us on uh, social media, uh, what movies they thought should have had a sequel. And one movie in particular got a lot of attention and it's uh, the final countdown. And we actually had two gentlemen uh, comment on the site, Jake and Sean, and they both had uh, interesting scenarios. And I know Chad, you being a fan of, history as you are uh you were pretty uh, intrigued by these so jake had suggested a tank going back to the alamo in 1836 and sean suggested uh modern day 82nd airborne dropping in on operation market garden in 1944 and these things seem uh, right up your alley chad oh absolutely i'm a history guy uh i'm a war movie guy action movie guy obviously spent a little time in the military myself now i i will have to say that all due respect to the modern 82nd guys. I don't know if they can compete with the actual 82nd or the 101st guys in Market Garden. I, I don't know if I'm going to go for that, but the tank idea in Alamo, that's gold right there. Yeah. I'm, all, I'm on board for that one. Yeah, that was that, that, that one's intriguing to me, and uh, I'm not that big of a history buff, but yeah, just, just the scenario that it would cause the, the, the chaos. Yeah, we used to always, you know, when I was in the military, we used to always – uh, I was in an infantry unit and, uh, I was in a weapon squad at one point And we used to always say, you know, if you send one squad of us back to the civil war, you know, put us at Manassas and, and just see how, you know, like just see what kind of devastation we can cause. Right. And I know, uh, the final countdown kind of reminds you of one of your uh, favorite Sonny Chiba movies. Sonny Chiba. Well, always and forever be known as the street fighter. But to me, I can't even think of Sonny Chiba without thinking of the movie GI Samurai. Now it's also known as time slip by some, and I've reviewed it on the site a few years ago and it's absolutely one of my favorite Sonny Chiba movies. And one of probably one of my favorite samurai films that's, you know, not done by uh Gosha or Kurosawa. And it's, you know, it's like that late seventies military unit gets sent back in the samurai period. So you got like machine guns and tanks and helicopters, you know, just going against dudes on horseback. It's, it's crazy. And RTG, uh, did you have, have any sequels that you would have liked to have seen in the action movie world that, that didn't happen? I would have loved to have seen a rapid fire sequel, but unfortunately, oh, absolutely. Brandon Lee and another one just all right off the top of my head would have to be a uh, point break. Point Break, which is uh, quite timely because that's what we will be discussing here shortly. And yeah, you know, Johnny Utah, you could have done some more. Um, so again, uh, should have had a sequel and you can continue to, to share your thoughts on that if you're listening and just hit up the hashtag should have had a sequel. And uh, we can continue this discussion as we go along on our Bulletproof podcast journey. Um, but we got more feedback, Chad, and this may be... Ooh the best compliment this podcast has ever received. Oh boy. This I'm sitting. One in, th yeah, sit down. Uh, this one was in regards to our most recent episode, the PM entertainment countdown uh, and Posse Volman posted in the PM entertainment Facebook group. Good podcast. 
My morning shit took about 52 minutes. <laughs> uh, I hope that guy's not a Russian bot because, uh, yeah, that's, that's easily the best compliment that you could give to any human. And I think that, you know, aside from maybe the birth of my children, uh, my wedding day, uh, finding the, the right content for a dump is like the next best thing that can happen to you, man. Yeah, and I just want to say, Posse, if it actually took you 52 minutes to shit, you probably want to invest in a little Metamucil. And if that doesn't help you, you want to consult a physician. I'm, I'm no doctor. I don't play a doctor on TV or on this podcast, but that doesn't seem good. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you might want to, well, the last 52 minutes shit I had, I had to use a lot of Neosporin and lotion afterwards, if you know what I mean. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think I picking up what you're laying down. Um, so we're about to get into some things, but let's talk about bulletproofaction.com. And and uh, Todd, I know you've gotten some recent posts uh, that you're very excited about some new movies that uh, the action fanatics out there should be checking out. Oh, no doubt, Brain. Uh, first off, we got a Sniper Assassin's In. It's the eighth installment in the Sniper franchise. It stars um, Tom Berenger comes back for this one. It also stars like my favorite person in Hollywood, uh, Chad Michael Collins. Chad plays his uh, son. The movie uh, kicks ass. I encourage all the readers of Bulletproof Action to check it out. And also we have the new I Am Vengeance movie, Retaliation. I Am Vengeance Retaliation starring the uh, former WWE superstar Stu Bennett is back this time he's with uh benny jones he goes up against benny jones if you guys remember the first movie he was at the the main heel was uh gary daniels right so the director uh our buddy ross boyzak uh he's uh he's really an up-and-coming director guys like i kind of compare him to jesse v johnson and i'm really excited to see what he does next because you give this guy like twenty five thousand dollars on a budget he'll make a film look about 10 20 million the the sequel is just non-stop action so the readers, uh, Bulletproof Action, those are two movies that should be on your radar. Check them out. Let us know what you think about them. Absolutely. I know Michael Wirth uh, kind of pitched an idea of a sniper U.S. SEALs uh, crossover, and I think that would be uh, pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know if that will happen, but I, I would I would love to watch. And I'm also waiting for what, Sniper 9 because uh, Chad, Chad Michael Collins and I were talking, and it's going to be Sniper 9, Sniper in Space. So that's oh. going to be pretty tight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think they need to learn how to incorporate the number into their title. That's the, that seems to be the success. You oh, know, you for definitely like have to put oh, Fast God. and Furious. You could put a four anywhere in the title or, you know, you could throw a nine in there uh, where the P is or something. That's what they, that's what they need. Yeah. I, um, when I was doing my little, uh, you know, my little RTG writing stuff and, uh, and I did like a sniper eight or like, I like to call it sniper with like the number, like V five one, one, whatever, like the, the Beckett's Those are Roman take, numerals. Are yeah, yeah. Yeah. Roman numerals. The Beckett's take Manhattan, not, not Manhattan. The Beckett's take Vancouver, which is there a play go. on uh Friday, the 13th, uh, part eight, Jason right. takes Manhattan. So it's the eighth installment. So I did the Beckett's take in Vancouver because most of snipers film in Vancouver, even though, they want you to believe it's not Vancouver because, you know, it's a little bit cheaper to film in Vancouver than it is to in Los Angeles, California. So, I think Jason Takes Manhattan may have been filmed in Vancouver. Yeah, I yeah, think it was probably. too. And, uh, you know, Jason Takes Manhattan is actually a pretty, pretty uh, underrated uh, movie in that Friday the 13th series. But I know this oh. podcast is not about that. But um, one day we might talk about some horror movies if anybody wants to. Just drop us a line. Tell us what you want us to hear on this podcast and we might get to it. Well, that seems uh, appropriate for the Halloween season for sure. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a very good possibility. And yeah, if you want to tell us uh, any kind of feedback you have, what, what you'd like us to talk about, what, what we've already talked about, any questions you may have, you can hit us up on social media, Bulletproof Pod on Twitter and at Bulletproof Action on Instagram and on Facebook. So if we are done with all of our... Uh, past business let's move on to the topic of discussion it is 1991's point break directed by Catherine bigelow and uh this movie does not waste any time getting started we are quickly introduced to johnny utah who is played by keanu reeves we find out he's in the top two percent at quantico 
And prior to his FBI days, he was the quarterback for the Ohio State University and the Buckeyes. And Chad Cruz, being a Buckeye yourself, Mm -hmm. I have a question for you. Okay. Is there a Johnny Utah statue on the campus? And if not, how can we make that happen? Yeah. uh, You know, I'm trying to think back to my days on campus. I don't believe there is one there. Um, We could probably start a GoFundMe. I hear those are popular. Um, And Keanu Reeves is obviously popular. I mean, shit, they got a new Bill and Ted movie coming out. And it's been like 40 years since anyone's seen the original. So uh, I think now's the time. If we're going to get a statue made of Johnny Utah, now's the time. I agree. And I I think it's deserved. And again, yeah, to your point, Keanu is so popular. I think that would get funding. It would probably just be, would the school allow it, I guess would be the. Right. And you know what, if you maybe kicked him a couple bucks for, uh, for one of their programs, they'd they'd be all for it. We'll have to look into that. So the opening segment, we, we see uh, Johnny Utah kind of doing some marksmanship test and uh, he's acing it. He is perfect. Uh, It's pouring rain. Nothing stops this guy. It's one of those badass like gun range scenes that you only see in, in movies and not in real life where you're like, you're like doing barrel rolls and shit. <laughs> you know, you either see him in a movie or you see him in like some guys uh, like Instagram where he went to some place in Vegas and spent $300 to shoot an AR. But uh, yeah, it's a, uh, he, he it's, it's cool because it adds excitement to the opening credits, which, you know, by all means do that in your action film. Like, don't think you just have to put a song in the background and flash some, you know, random production companies names on the, on the screen, like put some action in there get my attention instantly. And also teach me a little thing or two, you know, cause after the credits are over, I, I already know that there's going to be some, some radical surfing. And I already know that Keanu Reeves is a, is a dead eye. He's a great shot. So, I mean, I'm learning shit already and all I'm doing is staring at the screen. Right. And I think it's important to establish Keanu Reeves as an action star as soon as you can, because RTG, this was really his first foray into being an action hero. Yeah, no doubt, Brain. Uh, Before this, Keanu was mostly known for his role as uh, Ted Theodore Logan. And I believe right before this film, he was in he had a small role in Parenthood. So you're taking a guy who has really no who's not an action star at all, who looks like a stoner slash surfer guy. And you're putting him front and center in a major Hollywood action film. And I mean, I think uh, Bigelow did great taking a chance on Keanu, casting him in this role. Because um, he would not have been in in, in this year, the 1990-91 time, Keanu Reeves was not thought of anywhere close to being an action star. So he definitely would not have been my first choice at all for this role. Or maybe even my 20th choice. Because I mean, he he was like more a comedic, more just just a goofball. And for him to have this role, this iconic role as Johnny Utah, it's a, uh, it, 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 now, now we know why he, you know, speed the matrix, uh, uh, John wick. I mean, I mean, today Keanu Reeves is like the action star, everybody. Oh, Keanu Reeves, he's the greatest action star ever, but this is where you got to start. So this movie is very important right now. It's, it's a no brainer that he's an action guy, but yeah, 1991 was, a, was a different story. So Johnny Utah, he graduates Quantico again, top of the class is assigned to Los Angeles's bank robbery division. And we meet his boss harp who's played by John C. McKinley and McKinley does a great job of being, uh, an a-hole boss that you really just want to punch from the moment you see him. Um, that does happen a little bit later. Uh, but, Great job here. Great character actor, uh, John C. McGinley, Chad. Yeah, he, I mean, he really knocks it out of the park as far as the, uh, you know, that uh, your police, I don't want to say police chief, but the police boss stereotype that that they really uh, showed in the 80s, 90s movies. And it was funny about, uh, about was it McGillicuddy? What's funny about him, he continues like this same, attitude with like every character in every movie I've seen him in after this. So I, one of the movies I remember him most for uh, you know, beyond scrubs and stuff like that is uh, when he did uh, surviving the game, he's like kind of normal for most of the film, but then every once in a while he gets really pissed off and he acts just like this. So it's perfect. 
he kind of got pigeonholed, kind of like a William Atherton um, from uh, the two first two Diehards, yeah, and uh, Ghostbusters, where he was always kind of that, you know, just that jerk there to j- there to rain on the parade of, of our heroes. And speaking of our heroes, we meet the other half of of the uh, our crime fighting duo, Gary Busey, and this is a, a great pick because Keanu, who comes in with zero experience, Gary Busey comes in with a lot of action movie experience being in uh, most notably lethal weapon. Also some, uh, some more low budget favorites like eye of the tiger and bulletproof, but uh, Gary Busey plays Pappas, um, a veteran of the FBI. Um, and uh, I know Todd, you're a big Gary Busey fan. Oh man. Do I love Gary Busey? And just one quick thing, uh, John C. McGillingy, uh, McGillicuddy, as uh, Chad <laughs> called him, uh, which I'm still laughing about, his his infamous uh, young, dumb, and uh, full of cum um, uh, quote. That's one of the most quoted uh, lines from Point Break. Uh, Gary Busey is, is a guy, though, that I've admired for a very long time. I first saw this movie back on opening weekend, I believe. And what's really cool about Point Break is it was released a week after another huge um, box office sequel, Terminator 2. Uh, so that's just a great one-two punch right there. Uh, Busey, though, the first time I saw it, you know, I was young and dumb. And so uh, I thought it was Nick Nolte the entire film because I, I guess they looked alike or sort of looked alike, at least to me at that age. But uh, yeah, Busey, Busey is, is that is that a veteran cop who, and you see like a buddy cop movie like this, he is that guy that's, you know, the, the, uh, the hardened, the seasoned vet Busey. This is, I I love Gary Busey in this movie. And I'm sure we'll probably spend most of this podcast talking about how awesome Gary Busey is. Um, Pappas is one of those characters that you are, you're instantly uh, drawn into and, and it's all because of Gary Busey because this you you could have gave this part to someone else and it might not have been as memorable. So I have one question about Gary Busey real quick before we move on to anything okay. else. Um, so why does he say he at one point if you remember he says like I fired my piece over nineteen times in the field. Why would he choose nineteen? That maybe that was the legitimate number. But it's over nineteen, so it was like is it twenty? I, I don't know. That's a great question. Doesn't it seem weird to say that? I mean, you know, he wasn't all in the head. So, I mean, just, I mean, just, I mean, just to have that number, I fired my piece over 19 times. So maybe it was 37 times. Maybe it was 86 times or maybe it was 20 times, but it was just cocaine Gary being cocaine Gary. It feels like a really weird number to choose. That's to me when he's like over 19, like, so if he said, I fired my piece 19 times in the field, I'm like, Oh, that's a lot. But over 19? Wait a minute. Like, wait, so okay, like hold on. It was probably a flub that they just let go. I mean, it's probably it was, probably was – the line was probably I fired my piece 19 times. But when he said it, he probably said over 19. So they just let it – they probably just kept it. His buff teeth probably screwed it up. All right. So it is Gary Busey, uh, Pappas, who has the, the theory about the ex-presidents being surfers. So – Johnny Utah goes undercover as a yuppie who wants to learn to surf and he starts uh, getting chummy with Miss Tyler Ann, who is played by Lori Petty. And, uh, you know, at first he kind of has to weasel his way in there, but but he gets in there. Oh, he definitely gets in there for sure. Lori, Pe- <laughs> <laughs> Lori Petty, uh, if you th- was uh, really a, a good cast choice. Uh, Catherine Bigelow did a great job casting Lori Petty. I mean, who almost in a way looks a little bit similar to what Demi Moore looked like in 1991, but it was kind of, you couldn't put Demi Moore in there because uh, she just had a film with uh, one of the stars of the movie, uh, ghost Patrick Swayze playing his love entrance. So I think uh, Lori Petty, I mean, I mean this, this is Lori Petty, like peak Lori Petty, because it was pretty much downhill after this, but she kicked. Ass. They should have got Whoopi Goldberg. She, she kicks ass in uh, Point Break. She's uh, a very good casting choice. I, you know, I Lori Petty is probably like you said. This is probably like peak cuteness for her. Oh yes, yes. Uh, and I think that she she plays like a the role isn't like super feminine, mm. so she's good in it. You know, she was Tank Girl and she was in a League of Their Own, um, so she's like already got a little bit of an edge to her. And uh, and and she's still attractive to the point where you're like, 
Johnny Utah is not just plowing her to to get get the guys, you know what I mean, to get to the people. And what he does, I mean, it's it's pretty ruthless. You know, he finds out her her parents were killed, like what in a helicopter or a plane crash. Yeah, and then he, you know, he right. pretends like his parents got killed. So. Right. He he uses that as his backstory, giving them common ground. And you know what else we get when these two team up? We get a mother freaking montage of uh, Hell Tyler yeah. training or or teaching uh johnny utah how to surf and that leads to her introducing him to Bodie and his crew and of course Bodie is played by patrick swayze um who was a master and we've talked about this before a master of being able to go from a movie like ghost and then right into a big time action movie and being totally believable you know he's dirty dancing he was he was ghosting he was doing all these things but he was also in roadhouse he was in red dawn and he was in in this one point break which may be is is this his number one or is roadhouse what do, what do you think roadhouse point break uh, uh well okay let's let's look at it and let's 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 look at it this way patrick swayze he does something different in this film than he than he hadn't done it before he's the uh the antagonist he's the bad guy so right this is almost like his uh training day you know denzel and, and training mm-hmm. day this is uh this is him being the bad guy and, and i think a lot of times when we talk about patrick swayze as action fans we're gonna either say point break or we're gonna say roadhouse and i guess it just depends on what day of the week it is because but i mean with with this cast and i mean just how this movie plays out i, I think it it's the edge is point break, but I, I just don't know. I think I like point break better as a film than roadhouse, but if I'm picking my, like which one's a better Patrick Swayze film, I'm giving it to roadhouse because, because he is, the, he is that movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think, yeah. I think that point break would still be good. Cause I think Keanu is and Gary Busey and Lori Petty and all these other characters do well enough that if you had slid in, uh, you know, actor name, actor X here, it still would have been sweet. Point Break still would have been good. But I think that without Patrick Swayze and Roadhouse, it wouldn't have been nearly as kick-ass. Oh, no doubt. Because, I mean, we don't get um, Patrick Swayze until like 25 minutes into this film. So if, if you went 25 minutes to Roadhouse without Patrick Swayze... Uh... You may have turned it off at that point, yeah. Now, now, having said all this about Patrick Swayze and being able to jump back and forth with different genres, I really want to see uh, Steven Seagal do that. <laughs> I want to see him do like a dirty dancing style movie or like Grease. You know, I want him to like sing. At this one, I would just like to see Steven Seagal jump because I don't think that could happen. Hey, uh, mm. I'm not going to say anything bad about uh, Mr. Seagal because, you know. Why? But uh, yeah. Russians, got it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, would be, it would be cool to see Steven Seagal in any other type of movie besides a movie where he just smokes a cigar and sits down. Well, he, he's... He's found his niche, that's for sure. Hey, and he's still getting paid, you know? Uh, yeah. He's, he's still making money. I tease him on one hand, but on the other hand, I really appreciate the, the fact that he is an action guy and that he's not, like, trying to be something else. So. I mean, it's guys like Steven Seagal that that help friends of the Bulletproof uh, podcast, uh, Chad Law, screenwriter, uh, one of our favorite screenwriters, and he's written a few uh, films from Mr. Seagal, so... Without Steven Seagal, Chad might not get as much work. So, bravo, Mr. Seagal. Put me in your next film. Begging, shameless. I want to be. I want to be Steven Seagal's uh, butt butt double. I don't think he does those types of scenes. <laughs> you might could be his his hand double. <laughs> I want to wear a ponytail and get thrown through a window. That's, that's what, what I was going to say. Want. That's what I was going to say. I thought yeah. that's where you were going to go with that, but you yeah. you you threw in the butt double just to throw us off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what y'all think? We get some uh, beach football, a uh, little bonding time uh, where where they kind of oh this is they know who he is. This is Johnny Utah. Why didn't yeah, he go pro? Yeah. Oh, he hurt his what? Hurt his, hurt his blew knee. knee bent backwards. Yeah. Went ninety yeah. degrees in the wrong direction. That'll do it. And that's the and that's the perfect. Uh, I mean, the cover. I mean, it's it's a real cover, but I mean, the bonding experience playing uh, football on the beach. You know, having the arm. You know, they at first, you know, Patrick um, Swayze just thinks he's just you know just y- yuppie punk, but he gets that ball, he throws that ball, then he realizes who he is. I mean, so without his uh, backstory. 
they probably never would have bonded. So right. it was, it was, it was the scene that kind of sets up the rest of the film. This is an inspirational scene to me. I, you know, I, I had uh, I had knee surgery last year and just think two years from now, I'll be undercover FBI agent taking down bank robbers and using my real name while undercover and banging Lori Petty in the sand and having sandy, dirty sex with Lori Petty. <laughs> 1991 version Lori Petty. Yes. yes. No, current Lori Petty. <laughs> yeah, because okay. Chad Cruz isn't going to be 25. No, I'm closer to 40. So Not all is good on the beach for Johnny Utah because he runs into War Child, who oh, yeah. we know War Child, oh, yeah. Mr. Vincent Clinn, who, of course, was the Fender in Cyborg um, and did a lot of other Albert Pune films over the course of his career. And we also get a little Anthony Kiedis uh, red hot chili pepper action as well. Um, and uh, they, they get into a scuffle and uh, we kind of find out that, you know, Bodie really does like this Johnny Utah guy. Cause he steps in, bails him out. I think that when Johnny Utah Goldberg speared him into the, into the wave and then they all kind of stood up and eyed him and I said, you know, what's, what's your problem? I think that Bodie, he needed to see that from Johnny Utah. He needed to see the fire. Right. Like he knew who he was. He already had a, you know, an idea that this, this guy was this football player, elite athlete, but he needed to see that spark because that's what Bodie is. He's a passionate guy. So I think once he saw that and he saw that Johnny Utah, he was a, was a, had a little mean streak to him. Then he really kind of like got on his side a little bit. So when he sees war child, war child and these guys beating the shit out of him, you know, you're not going to just, he's, he's a cooler, but man, when it's time to go, he goes. Uh, uh, definitely, um, that beach scene is is very uh, pivotal to the film because uh, Pappas realizes, oh, oh hell, Johnny's getting his ass kicked and he's running, and and I mean, er- I mean, everything could have been blown right there because Pappas was about to break up the fight. I mean, it, uh, Johnny's cover could have been blown if Patrick if he Patrick Swayze didn't show up right then and there, the movie would have ended in a different way. And you have Pappas thinking on his feet when he does run into him and comes up with a great cover story. And basically saves the whole thing because yeah, that could have, that could have tanked the whole operation. But you know, they thought at this point they figured it out. They thought that Warchild and his guys were the ex president. So that sets up a whole uh, sting the next day. And uh, well, after sex on the beach uh, and and not talking about a drink. Yes. uh, Yes. With his uh, mentor, his surfing mentor, Tyler Ann, we get the big shootout and the famous lawnmower scene. And, and the also the famous um, shower scene. Right, yes. Played by Julie Michaels, who was mm. also in Roadhouse. She was uh, she was dancing on the stage. She gets naked in Roadhouse mm. as well. So that's a nice little connection right there. That's a nice connection indeed. And yeah, if you ever wanted to see Keanu Reeves get beat up by a naked woman, then Point Break is the movie for you. It really shows uh, the professionalism of, of one Johnny Utah that he shows up literally seconds before they're on this bust his bust right and everyone's like where the where the hell you been and he's like you know smell my fingers kind of situation but (laughs) he doesn't do that but he easily could have done it also um i think something we've forgotten to mention never we never forget anything on this podcast Look, look at all these buddy cop movies, too. There's always like another set of like of, of cops, you know, partners that always feud with like the main guys. I mean, they're always giving them hell. But uh, yeah, he, he just shows up. I mean, just I mean, just right after his uh, night of uh, fun on the beach to his to, I mean, to his bus. Imagine getting him getting his face just shredded by that lawnmower. And he's a war, war child, like, you know, murders him right there. Gary Busey shows up, saves the day. Boom. Puts a couple in his chest one in his face so then they take keanu johnny utah to the to the morgue corners offices looking at him and he's just got a a butt crack full of sand it's almost surprising that uh Busey doesn't sh- kill him i mean shoot war child i mean because when you in that scene i mean you know Busey's gonna come save the day but i mean i'm surprised that war, war child doesn't get one to the head yeah the threat of ricochet in that situation would have been pretty high it was a, it was a cool scene though yeah, so that's actually good tactical tactics then. So it's also, you know, they must have had some good people behind the scenes. I mean, if, if I'm Keanu, I'm like, shoot him in the head. A lot of these actors had stunt backgrounds, fight backgrounds, even surfing backgrounds. So um, they were all, Catherine Bigelow wanted them to do their own fights. And own, and so they, they trained and did a lot of training. Now, who do you think didn't show up to training? Just based on some Gary of the characters. Busey. 
No, 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 no. Not Gary Busey. Oh. Anthony Kiedis. He's the only one oh. that didn't show up. So in that raid scene, like he gets like knocked, like he gets like a punch and he's done. It's like if, if you watch the scene, he gets knocked out. It's like one and done. Like what everybody else is like, you know, has has good moves, good fights, you know, good stunts. Well, they're like, right. well, dude, if you're going to be a punk and not show up, we're going to make you go out like a punk, like a one punk chump. And like he just gets one hit. They hit him, he hits the ground, and that's it. That's some uh that's some less Thatcher. You don't show up for practice, you don't get on the show. That's 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 oh, old yeah. school right there. And you know what's kind of messed up about that scene, you know, when you go back and rewatch it, is they, they bust these guys and they're like, Oh, let us introduce you to Tom Sizemore, who's there, also <laughs> yeah. undercover. They're like, This is DEA agent, whatever his name is. He's been undercover for like two years or some crazy shit. And he is like totally different. He's like snorting coke with his Cheerios or whatever. He's just like, he's a maniac. And then here's Johnny Utah, not even using a fake name. He's just like, <laughs> oh, I'm undercover too, dude. Hey, this this was the fall of Tom Sizemore right here. It started here. He must have did tons of drugs on the set for his like one um, hour of shooting. And it was all downhill after that. But yeah, oh, man. Sizemore just showing up out of the blue. I mean, now, I mean, you know, Sizemore is going to show up in many films after this, but just seeing Tom Sizemore just there. I mean, I, when I went back to rewatch it recently, I just chuckled because, I mean, that's all you can do. You know, Tom Sizemore complaining about, a you know, his drug bust getting busted. And today he would probably be complaining about getting, you know, busted for drugs. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> also kind of funny to me is that, uh, OK, they realize now that Warchild was not the not part of the ex-president. But Johnny Utah kind of gets the the idea that it may be Bodie and his guys because he recognizes a guy's ass. I mean, is that is that yeah. is that right? I mean, yeah. yeah, he had an oh hell moment, you know, when he's it's like, it's all the better reason to have a butt double on standby. Chad Law, just hit me up. Yes, Chad Law, if you're listening, um, Chad Cruz needs acting work, and he yes. will even be a butt double. Chad Cruz needs a lot of work, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> That, that's not, that's not the true. topic of discussion at this point. So, but yeah, you, you got to think that your detective skills, you know, let's just say you get the big bust, right? You stop these bank robbers that have robbed 28 banks and over how many ever years. And at the end, uh, the mayor of Los Angeles is sitting there and he said, Detective John or Agent Johnny Utah, how did you do it? <laughs> and he says, Well, uh, Mr. Mayor, I just happened to get a brief glimpse of his butt cheeks <laughs> and that was i it. never forget a pair of butt cheeks some some people <laughs> never forget a face johnny utah never forgets a pair of butt cheeks i'm an ass man mr mayor <laughs> yes. so this uh is kind of a big turning point then so we have uh johnny utah and papas on a stakeout and uh Papas is hungry and wants a two meatball subs at 10 30 in the morning. So he sends Utah over to the old sandwich shop around the corner. He's too busy reading Calvin and Hobbes to notice that uh, the ex presidents have pulled up to the bank. This leads to a big car chase and then uh, even more iconic foot chase as Johnny Utah chases down Ronald Reagan, who is really Bodie. Spoiler That's over. right. Well, actually, he's, he's not, well, he's Bodie. He's not Patrick Swayze in that that scene. Patrick Swayze was out of the country promoting Ghost or something that day, and so his stunt mm. double, because he's because um, you notice his mask never comes off. Right. He wasn't available for filming that day, so his stunt double filled in for the whole scene. Even though Patrick did a shit ton of his own stunts because he was a guy who was uh, who he wanted. I mean, he loved jumping out of airplanes. He loved doing yeah. his own stunts. So every chance he got to do his own stunt, he would do. But that that he whole liked thing to get radical. Yes, that whole scene is just icon. I mean, some of the shots that Catherine Bigelow did. I mean, I mean, I mean, when talking about just really great action directors, I mean, Catherine Bigelow is right up there with with the best. And and that scene, the chase scene, is one of the best action scenes from the '90s, easily. When you think of foot chase scenes, especially like this, is kind of one of the first ones that comes to mind for me. And, uh, you know, I, I think that I, here's a bit of trivia. You may not have known this, but the stunt double they used was the actual Ronald Reagan, like real Ronald Reagan was a stunt double. Yeah. He, um, he was having a good day. He was, you know, his mind, his mind was, was clear that day. So they called him up and he's a Ron, you know, you know, used to act a lot and 
first yep. four year president. And when we need you on he's set, a, he's like, he's an athlete, you know. So he, he got from his ranch. I think he took uh, Air Force Eight over there. They flew him down. He ran around, did some takes, and the rest is history, guys. One of my favorite things from that chase scene, though, is when Bodie flings a dog at him. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> it's like what, like what, what better weapon to use than uh, an animal that you could just throw at somebody? That was a big old mutt too. I mean, that 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 was a pretty huge dog. I mean, I mean today in, in today's world, that probably wouldn't fly. Even though I think they used a fake dogs dog couldn't fly back then either. Yeah, well, no, it, just... it wouldn't work in today's oh, I got in today's movies. Yeah, they would be canceled before the movie even started. But um, that would have to use wires, brain. Yeah, it it was uh, it's something you just don't expect. I mean, using a dog to uh, to escape. And Chad, you, you had mentioned this earlier, Chad. You know how the the opening credits kind of set up this scene because again, he had a hundred percent on his yeah. you know target. That's and, right. And here he you know he could have easily ended this whole thing. He could have shot Bodie right then and there, but uh, he chose not to. And you got to believe it's because, you know, the, the bromance was just too strong between the two of them, because the same thing goes the other way, because, you know, the other guys find out like, hey, you know, that's a fed that, you know, you're letting in on our group. Let's get rid of them. But Bodhi doesn't want to. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you know, when you remember back to the first thing that you know about Johnny Utah before we even know his name is that he's a he's a dead eye, like he's a crack shot and he never misses. He's like rolling on the ground, shooting targets and uh, jumping over shit and using shotguns. He's do, using every weapon you can think of, but he hits every target. So now when he has the opportunity to, you know, maybe pump one in this guy's leg, uh, he doesn't take it. So, and I love the, uh, when they're looking at each other or Patrick or, or whoever through the, Ronald Reagan. yeah, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan's eyes. And, and when they meet, I mean, just the way it's filmed and just how they look at each other. I mean, it's, it's, it's pure, it's a pure adrenaline rush for sure. Speaking of adrenaline rushes, we then get uh, into some skydiving. You know, Johnny Utah is getting caught up in this whole world. Yeah. These guys, I mean, I don't know when you're, when your normal occupation is a bank robbery, I'd say you have a pretty serious uh, addiction to the rush, right? You're getting chased and, and having cops on your tail and doing all this stuff. So these guys, you know, they surf every day, they rob banks during the summer. Like what else can we do to kind of get our jollies off? And I guess jumping out of a plane would be the next step up from uh, surfing, you know, some of the biggest waves in the world. Yeah, definitely. These uh, I- extreme sports. I mean, point break is could possibly be the the birth of extreme sports and films. You know, you would later see movies such as uh, like drop zone or, yeah, you had all you had the terminal velocity, cutaway, drop zone, mm. all those dirt bike kid, extreme ops, <laughs> extreme or ops. Like that. Yeah, Chad Cruz, I think, reviewed extreme ops for oh, that was trash. Oh yeah, I'd rather take a fifty-two minute shit than watch extreme ops again. <laughs> a painful shit. Oh, too. oh, this wasn't the the first movie that that followed this this plot, but. You know, the FBI or, or the cop goes undercover, kind of has a bond with the with the bad guy. I mean, you would see this later. I guess the most famous thing now would be Fast and Furious. So you could compare Point Break and Fast and the Furious, almost similar plots. So just the, the influence, there probably wouldn't be like nine Fast and Furious movies if there wasn't Point Break. Yeah, yeah Fast and the Furious is like, all right, so we got, you know, let's take Keanu Reeves. Let's find somebody who's probably a worse actor. Okay, Paul Walker. Uh, Patrick Swayze is badass. Let's find another guy who's not that badass. Oh, we'll do Vin Diesel. Uh, surfing is pretty cool, and it was very 90s, and bank robbery and all that stuff. Okay, we'll put in like street racing and stealing car parts from semi-trucks. Oh, yeah, that's way badass. How Point Break did not get 25 sequels and Fast and the Furious Dead is just mind-buckling to me. And maybe Point Break didn't give us a sequel, but maybe it gave us some unofficial sequels. Chad, did you have an unofficial sequel in mind? Do you have a theory here that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think if, if you were to go to BulletproofAction.com, yes. um, best site on the internet, uh, I wrote a little piece a few years ago called Unofficial Sequels, and it, it, it follows the Johnny Utah 
storyline, which I believe is, it's not official, but it, it, it's there. And it goes from, uh, the, the timeline goes from Keanu Reeves playing Johnny Utah on Point Break to throwing his badge in the sea, retiring from the FBI, and living on a boat and doing boat things until he gets a second chance at the game of football and he becomes a quarterback in a little movie called The Replacements. <laughs> now, I don't, something Falcon, Falco, something Falco, Shane Falco is his name in that one. And also a left-handed quarterback who played for the Ohio State University. And then at the end of The Replacements, he gets the gal who, you know, she's hotter than Lori Petty, but she's just not Tyler, right? So the end of the film sees him kind of riding off into the sunset. But the next film in this storyline would be a little film you may have heard of called John Wick. Even though John Utah um, has, has done a lot of stuff, Shane Falco, John Utah, he, uh, he gets married or he, he, he becomes a, a killer for hire. Because he has all these skills, you know, he's a he's a dead eye. He's a great right. shot. All these FBI skills. He's got detective skills. You know, he knows every ass in LA. Never so forget that. He never. So he he becomes an assassin. Assassin. Yes. From, assassin from from John Utah to John Wick, a fake name. He finally uses a fake name. And then uh, he meets a wife, they get married, she dies, and he comes back and he starts fucking people up over and over again. Hold on, but did you put that he might have felt bad for kicking the dog? And so that's why he has a love for dogs now and John Wick? That's perfect. See, that 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 could easily be in this sequel timeline. That's good. That's the subtleties that really make this storyline business work. After the skydiving, Bodie drops a bombshell on our, our hero, Mr. Johnny Utah, and he has kidnapped Tyler Ann, and he's using this as leverage so Johnny Utah can help him and the crew pull off one more bank job before they uh, head uh, overseas, and uh, this could not go more wrong for all parties involved. I get that Bodie had like a little um, infatuation with Johnny Utah. I get it, right? Um, but the idea that these guys who pulled off at least 29 successful bank robberies uh, would need Johnny Utah's help for one more is ludicrous. Yeah. And, and they even deviate from their own formula going into the vault, which they never did before. Yeah. It, it's the dumbest thing ever. And I don't know, like it, it just like to me, like Keanu in that, in that scene could have been like, really bro, you kidnapped this girl that like you've known her for years and you guys, had your little thing there for a while too. Like you obviously care about her. You're not going to hurt her. You know what I mean? But instead of Johnny, Utah like Utah, like flips out like, Oh, you're not going to do this. You know, come on, man. Think about it. It's the worst setup ever. They only, they only think like one way though. I mean, they're both so driven. So they, you know, they have tunnel. Both of them have tunnel vision. So they're they're So the focus, like, so Tyler's kidnapped. So he's got to say Tyler, he's got to say Tyler, whatever. So nothing else matters, you know. Bodie, he's got to do this last job, get the hell out of Dodge. I mean, nothing else matters to either of them. Hey, let me let me just drop a little factoid on you real quick. Please so, do. Uh, L.A. County was known as the bank robbery capital of the world in the 80s and early 90s. Uh, I, I did see a stat that said in the year 1992, there were 28 banks robbed in a single day. Do you think people watched Point Break and say, hey, let's rob banks? Yeah, it's very possible. And, and it's no longer the bank robbery capital of the world. Um, as uh, I saw another stat said in, in 2013, there were only 212 robberies. So uh, <laughs> less than one a day, which I guess is successful. I think that's because people don't even know that where the banks are anymore. Because who, other than old people, who has to go to the bank? I go to banks all the time. That uh, that explains a lot. Cash is king. I always carry cash. Cash rules everything around me. You should write lyrics for musicians. Hey, Chad Law, if you need music written in your screenplays, <laughs> get with our teacher. Another another person begging for work. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this uh, brings uh, Utah and Papas. They go to the Santa Monica airport and they catch Bodie and his his boy Roach right before they're about to fly to Mexico. Um, and again, things 
continue. I mean, we're on a downward slide now because uh, things do not end well. We've got two FBI agents show up to this alive. Only one leaves. Um, And it's a sad scene. Um, But uh, the carnage level is really cranking up here towards the end of the film. Yeah, Papa shows up. Guys are getting shot. And it's really kind of this one of the more sad moments of the movie because Gary Busey, he does being as good as he is. He does carry a lot of that. I don't know. You know, you don't you never really feel that much for any of the characters, but you're really kind of sad to see Pappas get it in the end. He's got like he's got 22 years on. He's done good work here. And then he's in this situation because of Johnny Utah being the bullheaded bastard that he is. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, this is something that Pappas has been working towards. I mean, he this was his theory. Yeah. And he was about to, you know, everybody was like, you're crazy. You, you know, uh, Todd, you mentioned you know, the other agents who, you know, shit talk all the time. Um, he was going to be proven right. And they were going to they were going to stop these ex-presidents once and for all. And he wasn't there to to have that glory, that moment of glory. He, he shot down before it could happen. So, yeah, definitely an emotional uh, part of the film. Like, like, you know, he's going to die, right? I mean, I mean, it, it, the formula for these movies is Pappas is going to die, but Pappas lives like to the point. I mean, he, he lives longer than most like characters that are similar to him in other films. Pappas makes it like all the way. I mean, as far as his character could possibly go. And that's and maybe they were going to kill him off earlier and they notice, hey, cocaine Gary's on a roll. Let's keep him up. Let's keep him going. Because, I mean. Every single scene he's in, he's, he steals. I mean, and even his death. I mean, his death scene, like when he's dying. I mean, he's like overacting so much, but it's you still are just sad that he's gone. I think he very much gets like the Obi-Wan Kenobi death because his protege sees it happen. He's there. Like, it's kind of his fault. Like, Oh, it is his uh, fault. Johnny got yeah. killed, yeah. And, and, and it's up to Johnny Utah to carry on the legacy that Pappas kind of instilled in him so it works like i said it is that blueprint so it kind of may may have lasted a little bit longer than most films like this but but it was kind of needed i think for the progression of the johnny utah character to go from hard-headed let's take these guys down to what we get at the end of the film and and what do you think um when um john c mcgillig Help me pronounce it, Brain Johnson. McGillicuddy. McGillicuddy wakes up because remember the last thing that happens is, you know, Utah gets arrested for being in the bank robbery and, and Pap's like, I'll take him in. But he also decks uh, John. So when John so when John wakes up from his like two week coma to find and to find out Paps is dead, and then I'm trying to figure out how in the hell is Johnny Utah, because when we go to the next scene, how the hell is Johnny Utah still in, uh employed by the FBI? That's that's what I'm trying to figure out is how does Johnny Utah stop job unions, baby? You, it's it's got to be. I mean, the union, the police union, um, oh, excuse me, the FBI union, if if there is one, is probably pretty strong because man, I mean, I can't believe he's still um, employed. That's the crazy thing. I thought he'd been in jail. Yeah, I mean that that's where he was headed, and they just kind of they, they did their own thing. And another thing with this movie is they kind of tease that. Bodie's going to get away with this. He gets to Mexico. Uh, he, he escapes. And we do get the reunion of Tyler and and uh, Johnny. And it's like, okay, well, that's it. But then, yes, to your point, Todd, we then get to the big finale where obviously Johnny Utah is somehow still employed by the FBI and is working with the authorities in Australia. And they track down Bodie, who is there in Australia for the 50-year storm, something he had mentioned earlier in the film. A little foreshadowing there. He's right. Uh, question for both of you: Was this a satisfying ending? Johnny gets him, but then he lets him die the way he wanted to die. Lets him go out the way he wanted to go out. Would it have been better if they hauled his ass in and he rotted in prison? Would that have been more satisfying? I, I think this ending works because it's Patrick Swayze. Because they give they give Patrick Swayze's Bodie the almost it's almost like a not a hero's death but a more sympathetic death but at the same time well johnny's you know why i don't know why he lets him go because i would think he would be pissed from um from from pappas 
because right. because I mean I, I guess he was equally close to to both, and because I mean he knew them both about the same amount of time, and so um, I guess you know you watch it and I mean I guess it's probably in Patrick Swayze was was in Patrick Swayze's contract that he wasn't gonna get hauled off jail. He's like, <laughs> I can't be caged. I can't be a caged animal, Johnny. You know, so they just let him just get on there. And then I, and another thing is, I guess they had this just in case we were going to have a sequel. So I guess it kind of leaves just just a, I mean, you know, the waves are going to swallow them up, but it just leaves you just a little bit of doubt and also opens the door up for a sequel. Brain, the answer is yes. It was a satisfying ending. <laughs> I think that those two very different tastes <laughs> on this, like- all right? <laughs> They're spiritual brothers. They 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 have uh, two different ways of thinking about the world uh, in one sense, but in the other sense, they both they they feel the same about uh, other things, right? Like the, you know, Bodhi connected with Johnny Utah spiritually, and they they both found a connection through adrenaline and taking it to the edge and and getting that dopamine dump in your system after you've done something radical and shit like that. So, I mean, they were both and they were, uh, Indian brothers. What are they called? <laughs> blood, blood brothers. No. When you bang the same chick, Eskimo uh, brothers, Eskimo <laughs> brothers. That's what it is. <laughs> Thanks for So they're Eskimo brothers. So, you know, when Johnny Utah gets to him and he, you know, he knows why he's there. He's standing on the beach. He's staring at the storm and he's, He's just taking a moment to be with the storm before it takes him, and uh, I think that I think that if Johnny Utah were to arrest him right there, it would almost be like a heelish thing to take something away from a guy who, I mean, he who knows how many years he's been talking about this fifty-year storm. So, I think that Bodie sees something in Johnny Utah, and he feels like this guy, this guy is me. You know, this guy's me ten years earlier, and we get each other on another level. And then when during the robbery, when Johnny Utah chases him down, FBI turn around kind of thing. And they lock eyes and he realizes that this dude's been duping him. I think that Bodie loses it right there. Cause right from that moment on, everything goes against what he norm what he normally does. Right. The robbery is different. The kidnapping, like mm. he starts shooting people. Like that's not what Bodie does. And then, the Bodie you see standing in front of the 50 year storm is him. Is he making amends? I don't know, but he's, he's going out his own way. So he's, he's had time to reflect and he probably feels awful for, for the stuff he did. So that's a really good point because it's how long it, it was a good, he, he chased him for quite, quite a while. So it definitely gave Bodie many nights of, uh, to think back of on his actions and, and definitely, yeah, the way he's looking at that wave, the way he's looking out in the ocean, he probably did have some kind of um, come to Jesus moment for sure. Well, it has been been very entertaining looking back at 1991's Point Break, uh, this deep dive in on this fantastic film. Definitely, if you've never seen it or if it's been a long time since you've watched, give this one a watch as soon as humanly possible. But right now, gentlemen, we are going to wrap things up as we often do here on the Bulletproof Podcast with a little trivia and Chad Cruz is on a losing streak in our trivia yes. contest. He's last lost the last two. Uh, lost one to Ryan Campbell. Lost one to Toyman. Will RTG add his name to the people who are just burying Chad Cruz, making him the Barry Horowitz of Bulletproof Action? Ouch. This time around, we're going to do a little presidential trivia. Ooh. And the answers will be either Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, Richard Nixon, or LBJ based on our our, uh, bank robbers, the ex-president. So I'm going to give you an interesting factoid, and uh, maybe not so interesting, and you will tell me uh, who it pertains to. So RTG, you are the guest, so we will let you get started. And as always, if uh, you get it wrong, your opponent can try to steal the point. The Sound of Music was this president's favorite movie soundtrack. Uh, I'm going to just go with uh, Richard Nixon. That is incorrect. Chad Cruz, you want to try to steal this one? Hmm. Favorite movie soundtrack? Uh, let's just go with Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan is correct. Chad Cruz, off to a good start. And Chad, here's your first question. This president enjoyed eating cottage cheese with ketchup. Hmm. Disgusting. That sounds like an LBJ thing. 
That is incorrect. RTG. Damn it. Let's just go with Nixon again. Nixon is correct. We are tied up. All right. <laughs> Number These three for uh, this thing, and it goes to Todd Gaines. The pre- this president's first car was a 1948 Studebaker Commander. Okay, so the ages of the president. So let's go with Jimmy Carter. That is correct, Jimmy Carter. Nice. All right, Chad. This president considered Patton his favorite movie. Hmm. This president considered Patton his favorite movie. Let's see. I'm going to go with, let's go with uh, Carter. Incorrect. RTG. Well, it's going to be the one or the other. Um, I'm going to go with Ronald Reagan. It was not Ronald Reagan. It was actually Richard Nixon. Okay, uh, RTG. Here's another one for you. This president enjoyed eating deer sausage. Okay, so the the only southern one would be oh well LBJ too, but let's go with Carter. That is incorrect, Chad. I think I just gave you the answer. Chad. Deer sausage. Well, I mean, I've eaten deer sausage. I don't live in the South. Let's give it to Ronald Reagan. You should have went with the uh, RTG's LBJ because that's who it was. Damn. All right, Chad, you can have a chance to catch up here now, though. Uh, this president didn't enjoy eating Brussels sprouts or tomatoes. He didn't enjoy those he things. He did not enjoy these things. Hmm. Oh, let's say uh, Ronald Reagan. That is correct. And we are tied up two to two. This one's, this one's going to come down to the wire, I feel. Okay. RTG. This president's first career was as a teacher. Jimmy Carter. Incorrect. Chad? Teacher. You think I know this. Um, let's go with uh let's go with uh Nixon. It's probably LBJ. It was not Nixon, it was LBJ. Mm. Too little too late for RTG. All right, Chad, here we go. You can pull ahead. This president almost became an FBI agent earlier in his life. Much like Johnny Utah. Is that Ronald Reagan? No, sir. Fucking shit. Um, let's see. The law and order of the three presidents. We'll just go with Nixon. Nixon is correct. Three to two. RTG is taking the lead. And can he really take the lead here? Because the next one is for you, sir. This president considered Harry Truman his favorite president. Okay. It's got to be, um, well, it's, it's, let's say Carter. That is correct. Oh, Ted Cruz. Oh my God. Let's, that just shows you how stupid Jimmy Carter was. Oh, here we go. All right. Let, let, <laughs> all right. Last one for you, Chad. You can't win. Once okay. again, you're, you're a uh, loser. Uh, you. You're the Iron Mike Sharp of Bulletproof Action as well. Um, <laughs> what president said this, however? Okay. There is no limit to the amount of good you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. Mm, Jimmy Carter. Incorrect. RTG, you yeah. want to just... Put another nail in Chad's coffin. Just pile it on. Um, I was going to say Ronald Reagan. That is correct. So RTG <laughs> five to two, destroying My Chad God. Cruz. The streak continues for Chad. We may, we have to take a break from the trivia. Let Chad uh, go to go to the library or something. I don't know. You know what's even more brutal is I majored in history in college. You know, uh, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, this might be yeah. lopsided to Chad Cruz. Of course, I wasn't. Yeah, but my my focus has always been in early American history and not, you know, like post-World War II history. So, you know, no excuses. I still got my ass kicked. All right. Well, once again, congratulations to RTG for winning our presidential trivia here on the Bulletproof Podcast. I did want to uh, mention that. I am not a you. Okay, thank you. thank you very much. Uh, I did want to mention that I will be appearing on an upcoming edition of the Clones Cast with our good friend Matthew Whitaker and our other good friend Michael Worth, and we're going to be talking Bruce Lee in New Guinea. And actually, may already be out by the time this is out. But a uh, great way to know would be to follow us on social media at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter and at Bulletproof Action on Instagram and on Facebook. And uh, Chad, did you have anything you wanted to to plug or talk about before we wrap this up? Yeah, it's exciting you're on that uh, the Clones Cast podcast because those t- two guys who know everything about uh, kung fu movies and the the kind of the Bruce Lee Bruce exploitation genre in general, and then you, right? 
Well, Matthew's no expert either, but Michael Worth, he has enough knowledge to make up for the both of us. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. RTG, any final words for the uh, action fanatics out there? Sure. If you don't already follow me on Twitter, it's uh, Real Todd Gaines. You can also follow me on Letterboxd. Uh, Letterboxd, uh, just search Todd Gaines. You'll find me there. Um, I'm trying to bring you guys some uh, some newer releases, some movies that you haven't maybe even seen yet. We've been getting some good screeners in, hopefully get some reviews out to you guys. I just want to appreciate every single one of you guys listening to the podcast. Any feedback, we always appreciate it. And always keep it real. Keep it real. I mean, that that's deep. All right, for Mr. Deep, the real Todd Gaines. For Chad Cruz, Mr. Charisma, I am Chris the Brain. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 